Welcome to the Big Golf Show. I'm your host, Nick Andreco, along with Eric Arbe. Eric, how are you today? Wonderful. How are you doing, Nicholas? I'm doing very well. We have excited for today's show because we have PGA pr- past president and the current PGA honorary president, Alan Ranowski. Uh He's going to be talking tech, marketing, mentoring, business as it relates to golf as we normally do. So, Alan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Well, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. And sitting here in Maryland, we got a lot of our snow that we had at the beginning of the week melted and seeing some grass, and hopefully we'll get to see some people playing golf before too long. <laughs> That's always nice. Alan, um, for listeners that uh, maybe not too familiar with yourself and, and where you came from and your background, do you mind just giving us a little uh, brief intro about yourself? Uh, not at all. I, I grew up in southeast Baltimore and wound up going to college on a short-term basis because I was given an opportunity to go to work in the golf business as an assistant professional at the Rocky Point Golf Course down in Essex, Maryland. I worked there for about four and a half years and was given the opportunity to go to work at Hillendale Country Club in northern Baltimore uh, and mentor and work for, uh, be mentored by and work for Bill Clark, one of our past presidents of the PGA of America. He was president in 73-74. Uh, I worked for Bill from 1979 to 1989, and when he retired, I was elevated to head professional, where I worked for the next 20 years in that position, and then went in to become the director of player and member development at the club. Uh, Just a great facility, wonderful members, good golf course that people don't get tired of, and very family-oriented, and it was fun all those years watching a lot of my juniors grow up and either get scholarships to colleges or go on to become club champions or really viable members in the business community. So uh, a lot of great stories there. I just retired uh, as I was looking for the next chapter in my life. I wanted to do even a little bit more to, to help change lives and change the world a little bit. And I just accepted the position with the Folds of Honor Foundation as their ambassador for the Northeast region. Uh, with that, uh, Folds of Honor is a foundation set up uh, to raise funds for scholarships for the children and spouses of our military heroes who have either been killed or severely disabled in line of, of battle. So a uh, great organization. I got to be on their board for four years when I was vice president and president of the PGA. And, uh, Certainly looking forward to working with them. Uh, volunteer basis, I started in the Mid-Atlantic section in 1983 on the assistance committee, went through all their ranks, served on the section board in the late 80s, uh, went on to become a member of multiple committees for the section, and then uh, 1995 was elected uh, section secretary, went through chairs of secretary, vice president, president. Uh, when I finished that role, I was elected to serve on the national board of directors in 2000, serving the Mid-Atlantic section, PGA, Carolinas, Kentucky section. Uh, in 2006, I ran for election for a national office and was voted in at Keel Island uh, as Secretary of the PGA of America, served as Secretary, Vice President, President, uh, and now serve as Honorary. Uh, I also serve on the board of the National First Tee, the Champions Tour Policy Board, uh, and a few other organizations. So... Uh, a lot of people would say that's that's an awful lot, and what do you think of that? And I say it means I'm old because you don't get to do all those things and have that kind of a resume when you're 25. Well, I love the fact that you retired and then started a new career. <laughs> <laughs> We're just well, talking retired about that from yesterday. one chapter and started another. 
<laughs> so, so, so the 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 folds of honor are really really great foundation. Um, what are you, you know, more specifically doing with them? Is that a full time basis you're working with them, or is that more of the consulting? Or can you do you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. No, it's a full time position. Uh, Major Dan Rooney is the founder and CEO of the Folds of Honor, and he's implemented a program last fall called Boots on the Ground Ambassadors. Uh, he's had two regional directors in Texas, one in Houston, one in Austin. Uh, he's going to add another one out of the Atlanta Carter, and I'm going to take care of the Northeast region. So uh, we will certainly attend and help Patriot Golf Day events, which are held over Labor Day. Uh, and they necessarily don't have to be held over Labor Day. If a facility finds it more beneficial, we'll do it on Fourth of July, Memorial Day, or any day of the week. Uh, that's fine as well. Patriot Bowling events. Uh, we will look for uh, corporate partnerships, sponsorships, uh, certainly company and individual donors. And I hope anyone out there that uh, would certainly look at the website, www.foldsofhonor.org. Uh, it'll explain more about the mission. And uh, it's pretty amazing. In seven years, they've raised over $30 million and given over 5,000 full scholarships uh, to those children and spouses and our military families. But uh, the need is certainly much greater. There are so many out there that have been affected. And uh, as Dan says, and, and many of us say, freedom is not free. Less than 1% of the people in this country protect the freedoms of 99% of us. So, uh, yeah, I'm raising money, trying to get more exposure to the folds and attend events. Yeah, that's great. And we'll put that link on the Big Golf Show uh, section for yourself so people can go there and check that out if they if they miss that URL. But um, Alan, we figured you're one of the most qualified people to talk about the PGA's uh, Golf 2.0 initiative, um, which has been deemed the most uh, the most important initiative ever undertaken by the association. And um, you know, it's been a couple years now since since this was introduced. And I was just wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and how how do you think we're looking for our 40 million uh, golfer goal by 2020? Well, Golf 2.0 certainly uh, was one of the highlights of my presidency, and you know I never thought to, to seek a legacy. Certainly, the timing becomes right uh, for some things to come into place and happen. We had a long-range vision for the PGA of America uh, vision in 2011 that was coming due. We were looking at creating a five-year, ten-year plan for the organization to work by, uh, and we decided to take a, a new approach. Usually, most of our strategic planning had been uh, internally, institutionally, and we decided to hire the Boston Consulting Group and get more of a uh, consumer perspective of the game. Certainly, we think we know some of the issues involving uh, people playing the game or maybe leaving the game or the amount of rounds that they're playing, but we really wanted to get a broader scope and make sure we knew. And certainly, a lot of people think the economic impact had a lot of, uh, that was a lot of the root problem, but we found out that time constraint was probably equally as much, if not more so, and the amount of fun people were having. We had really not evolved the game, uh, looked at alternative ways to play, alternative number of holes, and we really did need to take a, a little better look at the product we were providing. Uh, Golf 2.0 was the industry strategic plan, not just for the PGA of America, but a way to involve all of our allied partners with um, certainly national golf course owners, the USGA, club owners associations, and from that, uh, different things have certainly come from it. 
uh, one of the most successful uh, programs we had right out of the box was the T and Forward Initiative, with the USJ and PJ partnership. We had a pilot program in July of 2012 where we had uh, it was a 12-day span from July 5th to July 17th, and we had more than a quarter of a million people try it. Uh, those surveyed and responded. 70% of the people loved it. 90% of the people said they would recommend it. Uh, from that, I watch all the time people finding a set of tees that make sense for them, playing a 6,800-yard golf course for a male that hits the ball 200 yards uh, would be like Bubba Watson feeding it up and playing it about 8,500 yards. Um, and Barney Adams was really good at bringing us to the associations. Like, we really got to take a look at these tees. Uh, if you're hitting the ball about 200 yards, let's think about playing a 6,000-yard golf course. Or the way I try to explain it to people, it's like, look, the average tour player hits a 7-iron into a par 4. What set of tees do we need to play you at where you can average 7-irons into par 4s? What tee lengths do we need to find where you might have one or two reachable par 5s? And where can we set you up on a tee on a par 3 where you can hit somewhere between a short iron uh, to a lighter hybrid? So tee it forward was really good. Get golf ready, certainly. Uh, that has been Ted Bishop, our current president, uh, one of his mainstays. You look at uh, a great package of Get Golf Ready is five lessons, hour and a half long, usually groups of eight or less, and uh, the starting price is at $99. And it gives you the total experience of short game, long game, uh, and an on-course component. Uh, the great part of that is that we have seen uh, great success from it. After year one, we found that 83% of the people that took Get Golf Ready stayed year two, and we found out that uh, a great majority of those are actually, and I don't have a number, I apologize, but a great number of those are staying in year three. So uh, that's been successful. Uh, along with that, uh, certainly junior golf is something I'm passionate about. I currently chair a youth player development committee for the PGA, and the, uh, the sports academy that was created during my tenure, uh, exposing children to motor skills, nutrition, uh, etiquette of the game coming in three different stages for age groups uh, has been very good. We saw junior boys' participation increase by 300,000 last year, which was a very rewarding number. And PGA Junior League, uh, absolutely incredible program. And uh, anyone that's out there with children, please go to playgolfamerica.com to read more about it. Uh, we started a pilot program two years ago uh, with, with about 1,700 kids. That grew last year to about uh, 9,000. Uh, this year we're looking to do 15 to 20,000. Uh, just a great program, nine-hole uh, format. Comes in three three-hole segments. Uh, teams are uh, consist of 10 juniors, age 7 to 13, and you get jerseys with numbers on them. You can have substitutions. Uh, it's done at times a day, uh, hopefully at a facility where parents and guardians and uh, family members can come out and root and cheer them on. Just great success with that program. So uh, if we're on track for the 40 million, 40 million was probably a somewhat aggressive number. Uh, but what we are trying to, to do is turn the tide and get it moving in the right direction. Uh, we certainly think that it's plausible when you think that there are um, over 60 million people out there that have touched the game in some fashion but don't currently play. Uh, they may have just hit balls or uh, into a driving range or done something, uh, certainly a group there that we could tap into. 
There's 23 million people on the sideline that have not been exposed to the game of golf but are interested. And with our 26 million now, uh, I think that our numbers can increase dramatically. Well, you know, and we always, because we, we deal with this every day, I feel like, is that there's, <clears throat> there's a difference between knowing what to do, <clears throat> excuse me, and actually doing it. And do you just feel like the association is hasn't fully embraced this yet, or is that is that just are we hearing or I'm hearing um, just from those those people that just are going to be negative about a lot of things? Like they just they haven't full. Do you think this is something that the association is 100 percent behind quite yet, or is that something that we're still you think is going to come over time? Well, certainly some areas, some facilities will take a little more time than others, but we're seeing a lot of embracing of what we're doing, a lot of motivation by professionals uh, to move forward. Certainly we know that in many areas, rounds and revenues are down, and uh, for those that want to secure their employment and make their facility successful, uh, they are reaching out even faster to the kickoff readies or, or junior leagues and different programs that are offered to them. Uh, I think I think this is a time when you've seen the whole industry embrace player development, which is really rewarding. Uh, seeing Tom O'Toole become president of the USGA, his concerns about player development, about the pace of the game. Uh, certainly we've had discussions about uh, the drive, chip, and putt that, the, that Augusta's going to have, and you're going to get to watch the finals on uh, at Augusta National at the golf course for these kids. Uh, developing their skills, seeing uh, certainly the National Golf Course owning multiple course owners, the club managers associations, the superintendents, uh, seeing the PGA Tour and their involvement with the first tee and trying to to reach 10 million kids. Uh, I think it's nothing that the PGA can do alone. This is something that we all need to support. This is something that we all need to get behind. And uh, you know, again, alternative methods. If 18 holes in five hours is too long, maybe we look at it in 12-hole increments, six-hole increments. Should courses be built like a clover league where every three holes come back to the clubhouse and you can play as many holes as you want? Uh, you get a kind card saying go out and play, and whenever you need to stop, if you got an hour and 15 minutes, just come back in and we'll charge you for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, you saw bowling do that, and they went from charging per frame to just par- charging per time. So... Um, I think the industry is really at a point where they're ready to look at alternative uh, methods of charging, alternative methods of time, and alternative methods of play. Uh, a new one that's come out is foot golf. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, but it combines soccer with golf. Uh, extremely large holes. You play with a soccer ball, and it gets people to a facility, uh, and, and you might see a facility that's terrifying, and what do I do for the downtime? Well, this is a way for me to get people out there and kick the ball around, kick it into a hole, and from that they might get excited and interested in the game of golf. So certainly a lot of -of out-of-the-box thinking. Well, I always thought that was, you know, when that came out, I I don't know if the PGA ever, um, you guys ever intended to say this publicly or not, but I always thought that it was, Golf 2.0 was kind of an idea to, to try to make the professional a better business person. You know, like, these ideas are great, but, um, you know, you, the the and the, at the grassroots level, these professionals, um, you know, they got to embrace it and they got to, you know, some of these ideas you just talked about, like you have to be open to some of these ideas. Was that ever, I don't know how much you can talk about that, but was that ever an intention to try to really elevate the business mindset of the club and not just, Hey, these are programs like get them to think outside the box. Is that. Well, it is okay. a lot of what we've done with 
some of these is to show the economic impact that it can have a facility. Um, and, and your question kind of goes in two parts. Let me just say, it's like with Get Golf Ready, when you go to a facility owner operator and say, well, in the first year alone, somebody that comes to the Get Golf Ready, the average spend is about $940. Uh, that has a lot of impact to it, showing that by giving junior clinics and touching 50 kids, the economic impact can be uh, over $2,000. So those are the things business-wise that we have to do. And again, I think the association has gotten back to our, our root values of PJ professionals being the ones in the front room. They're the ones that are the relationship builders. They're the ones that can conduct the programs, uh, get people out playing the game. How do I make the golf experience better? Uh, and I'm certainly the most qualified and best educated to administer these programs. Well, one of the best ways to do that, and I know that you're a huge, um, I see you all the time on Twitter. Um, talk, can you talk a little bit about how you've embraced Twitter and uh, how do you think, how have you been using Twitter? Well, it was interesting because I came out of the PGA Championship when I was president a year and a half ago, and I said I never thought in one day I would blog, post, tweet, poke, and uh, <laughs> a couple other things um, of, of the new century. Uh, but I do use Facebook and Twitter a lot. I use it for some of my personal experiences with my family. Uh, I use it a lot for business. You're seeing me post a lot more about the polls now and some of the things that they're doing, some of the highlights, uh, some of the inspirational quotes. Uh, great way to network, uh, just like LinkedIn. Uh, I'm tinkering now with Instagram, and uh, I'm, I'm working on a tutorial for that one. Uh, but it's a great social media, great way to stay in touch. and. With many of us carrying uh, iPhones or uh, Galaxies, um, it certainly gives us the ability to stay in contact with people much better and spread words faster. We can definitely help you out with an uh, Instagram tutorial there, Alan, if you ever, <laughs> if you ever need any help. <laughs> hey, run down. That's, that was a challenge to me. Well, it's great to know, Eric, we always talk about that. It's great to see uh, people starting to embrace that because I feel like the in the social front, the golf industry is definitely not as um, definitely not as forward as some other maybe industries. Definitely the tech industry, but it's it's nice to see this is an easier ways to communicate, network, you know, get those messages out. And I'm glad that, like I said, I, I always see Alan's t- uh, tweets come through, and I think that's I think that's really great. I think I wish more people would do that more often, but. Um, Yep, yeah, yeah, and I encourage anybody. It can be kind of intimidating, especially uh, to somebody that's not used to the stuff. But actually, they're pretty easy to use. Even Instagram, I was, I was kind of kidding. Um, <laughs> and, and what a great way! I mean, you make your first birdie, you take a picture, you post it or tweet it. Um, you're playing around the golf, and a buddy of yours is playing somewhere else, and you're tweeting back and forth about uh, around the golf. You show pictures of great facilities that you're playing. Certainly, uh, when I was in Hillendale, we had a website that we used a lot to talk about our specials, promotions, uh, pictures of wedding functions that we were holding, uh, a lot of different ways to, to use it for business and personal. Alan, speaking of that, um, kind of using phones out on the golf course, uh, I know it's, the game is rooted in you know so many traditions and um, you know maybe that's one of the reasons it's not caught on as fast or not growing like we think it should be. But um, do you think that uh, bringing more technology onto the golf course is uh, uh, only going to make the game grow in the future? 
Or do you think? Well, uh, well I'll answer personally, not as a BJ official. Um, <laughs> I, I do not use my cell phone on the golf course unless it's a dire emergency. I really don't like people being on cell phones. However, if you're using it for Facebook, Twitter, social media, if you're using it to do emails, I don't have a lot of problem with that. And I think it's actually somewhat helpful when you talk about the time on a golf course. If I can utilize my, if you would, downtime from not uh, hitting a shot and and I'm not disrupting someone, and it lets me stay in touch with the world, and I think it's fine. Um, I have no issue with that. I, I do have a problem with people on the cell phone, especially since they think the person on the other side is deaf, and they talk <laughs> loudly. Uh, we all love that. Rage. Wait till the data comes out that we're all going to have brain cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was out already. That came out a long time ago. No, no one wants to listen to that data, though. <laughs> <laughs> one day. So, um, Alan, on that note, I don't want to pound the drum of social too much, but uh, what do you think is that? Is that going to be a focus of the PGA moving forward? And I, and I definitely don't want to put you on the spot by having you speak for the entire PGA of America. But do you think that's a, that's a focus that um, that would be worth exploring, helping people understand? the benefits of Instagram, the benefits of Pinterest and communicating with your customers that way as an alternative to, you know, just putting out a flyer or just, you know, running a, running a radio ad. Um, do, do you see that shift happening anytime soon from an education, whether at the section level or national level? It's already happened. We had a, uh, an education seminar, even in the middle Atlantic section about three years ago about using social media. We give it, uh, at our educational opportunities down at the merchandise show, uh, we have certainly used PGA.com uh, and PGA of America uh, online. When you have our special events, Senior PGA Championship, PGA Championship, uh, Ryder Cup, the Junior PGA, we use Twitter and Facebook a lot from the association standpoint. Uh, we encourage our professionals to use it, uh, especially as you're working with the, with the younger set uh, the Millennials Generation uh, X, uh, you, you have to. There's no other way to do it. You're seeing more and more facilities go to automatic tee times, uh, putting out bulletin announcements of specials or uh, different promotions that they're running at their facility. Uh, PJ is very much behind uh, using uh, any type of platform, social media or anything to spread the word and, and make golf more appealing. Um it's been interesting to watch how it's evolved uh, with our with our events and Ryder Cup was probably the biggest the number of tweets uh, from certainly our Captain Davis Love a lot of the players uh, and people really enjoy seeing that it's a little different than the normal uh, publication article that you might see it's for personal impressions of the event uh, and it's a lot of fun for people to stay in touch with those people you know, it's funny today looking at the tweets from Bay Hill already or seeing the LPGA announcement about their uh, mentor group. Uh, it's an easy way to stay in touch and setting up groups on Twitter. I can kind of find out what's going on in the world much faster sometimes than watching the news. Well, don't, don't you think this could be the wild card? There's, I'll be very surprised if what when you guys did with the, the Boston Consulting Group there, if they factored uh, the power of Twitter or Instagram. Um, I don't, that probably, well, I don't know when you guys started doing that data, but Instagram, 
I don't even think was around when you guys when when we started doing doing 2.0. So is that kind of a wild card that can really help boost some of these numbers and really uh, that was just never factored in from the beginning, or is that something you guys always factored in from the beginning? With uh, a little bit of factoring, the other the bigger components were uh, Boston Consulting gave us three pillars to work at. Uh, the first one was retention of those that play. Uh, the reality is we have three million or more come into the game every year, and yet we tend to lose three to four million every year. How do we how do we slow that uh, that ship down? How do we patch the hole in the bucket to try to retain those people from leaving? And we found out in a lot of instances it was because uh, the game just wasn't as much fun as they hoped, and that's where a program like T at Forward really worked hard in that bucket to help keep people in the game and keep enjoying the game, uh, along with a lot of the superintendents and architects saying, you know, every golf course doesn't have to be Augusta National. They don't have to uh, be a situation where you go out and shoot 117. We can make these golf courses a lot more fun, a lot more playable, and get you to play faster. Uh, the second pillar that they really wanted to address was uh, was the people that left the game. How do we get those that have wandered away, that 61 million that I was talking about earlier, um, they've been exposed to the game, but how do we get them back and how do we make the game more attractive for them uh, to want to get involved in the, and then exposing it? And one of the things that we really found was the welcoming nature. If you if you want to go bowling, it's pretty easy. I know to go to a, to a lane and uh, grab some rental shoes and a ball and I'm bowling. Uh, but how do I get started in golf? Do I show up at a facility when someone's there? Are they self-conscious? Is it welcoming enough? Do we do enough uh, to tell people about where the locker rooms are, where the range is, uh, how to use the facility, how to use the golf carts? At, uh, at Hillendale, two years ago, we started a program. One of the, the buckets uh, with, the, with the BCG report was about connecting with her. And the reality is uh, about 22% of the women in the country club. But how do we make it more exciting for them to want to get in? Uh, and I actually, with my wife, who plays pretty well, uh, put on a little seminar. And it was called uh, Speaking Female, Dispelling the Golf Myth. And it was a time that we spent in one of our casual rooms. We had coffee and pastry. And we were just going to talk about the positive aspects of the game of golf, uh, the health and wellness aspect to it, the socialization of it, how do you get started in the game, Uh the family values too, and it's pretty cool. My 32 year old son calls my wife and says, uh, I'm off Monday, let's go play golf. Uh, you don't have that with soccer and lacrosse and some of the other sports. So, uh, passing those stories on to him, we had a group of six women come out from that forum and said, Well, we really like to give this a shot and try it on the golf course. And I said, Great. And they said, No, you scare us. You're a PJ pro and you're president of the PJ. We'd like your wife to take it off. <laughs> uh, so, so she did, and I managed to sneak out there, and uh, they got mm-hmm. relaxed with me. And from that, we started a group called the Three Hole Group. Uh, it took them about an hour and a half to play the three holes because it was total tutorial. How do you get your clubs on a cart? Where do you park the cart? How do you rake a bunker? Uh, what the greens are? And they were all brand, brand new golfers. Uh, from that, it was the first year. And we did them uh, once a week every Thursday night. We spent an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, playing in a scramble play format, so there was no pressure. And the DLI would hit shots on them. And uh, after that, it was amazing how many of them stayed to have drinks and then maybe drinks on dinner. Uh, so we saw a definite revenue impact 
from having this group put together. That group of four that went out the first night, the group at the end of the year had 23 players. Uh, we even did an invitational freehold member guest where we sent them out for two hours, play as much as they could, and then come in for a reception and to talk about the game of golf. That group of 23 uh, the following year, last year, turned into 47 women. That uh, wow. I'm saying that I don't have the time to play. Uh, I have a job. I have a family. But me just getting out to play a few holes and getting comfortable with it, I know that I'll continue to play on. Uh, some of them actually wound up getting full golf memberships. Uh, some wound up joining our women's nine-hole group. And um, someone that said, well, I'm just going to come out every now and then. I like doing this. And now I know why my husband likes it here so much. Uh, and I'm going to encourage him to be here more. This is a great environment. And uh, that's one where you may have had that same spouse looking at the bills that are coming to the house and saying, uh, why are we paying this? We're not doing it. But now she had a better feel. So exposing people to game like that is just such a good way to do it. Yeah, Alan, we love we love hearing like good good ideas like that from from a lot of the guests we have, and you know that that's that's awesome. Can can I ask you one of the things that um, we hear a lot in um, the forums that we're in, the clients that we deal with on a day to day basis, golf professionals, um, talking about being top golf pros and being well known in the section, and you know you've been in uh, you've been in for a while, obviously, and kind of all the ranks um, seems like on the section level and the national level balancing that work and your regular duties as a golf professional, can you, can you speak to that a little bit and maybe um, some pointers that might help other golf pros um, in the same, similar, in the same situations? Well, it's a challenge. I think the hardest part is after the first priority certainly is your job. Second priority is your involvement at a section or national level. And then you have family. And trying to combine all of those is a real challenge. Before uh, you get too involved as a volunteer for the association in some capacity, you need to have a real long talk with your family and make sure they're comfortable and understand that uh, your time is going to get even uh, in a bigger demand. It's a challenging way. I have just an incredible family that was extremely supportive of everything that I've done. Uh, I've also been blessed that my son wound up thinking that a lot of goo is uh, admirable enough. He's a PJ professional and works at a facility very close to me that uh, his head professional is one of my former assistants professionals. So kind of neat to see my little family over there. You've got to be passionate. Whatever you do in life, I don't care what it is, you need a passion for. And if you're passionate and you have your energy level, uh, Bill Strasbaugh used to say it fills my cups. Uh, then time gets to be easy. Uh, it was interesting, too. I think a lot of people have heard this story that a professor shows up in school and he's got a class jar and he puts some big rocks in it and looks at the class and says, is this full? And they said, yes. And he had the big rocks up to the top of the jar. He said, really? And he put in some sand. And he went up to the top of the jar and he said, is this full? And they said, yes. And then he poured water into the class and he said, now is it full? So one of the things I've always learned, take care of the big things, get the uh, get the bigger chores done with, and the little things will take care of themselves. <laughs> that's some good advice because I know that's something we always hear uh, day in and day out, as Eric mentioned, is, you know, we're everyone's super busy. They're wearing a thousand different hats, and, you know, getting involved with the section, is that just adding, you know, is that making your work week go from 80 hours to 100 or 120? And um, 
it's it's you know you definitely need a strong support system around you. So it's, it's some good advice. <laughs> yeah. There's 168 hours in a week, and I said if I sleep four hours a night, that's only 28 of them. <laughs> uh, somebody explained to me that wasn't healthy, but uh, you know one of the things we talked about, and you said about professionals and facilities, we have the most amazing association with the PJ of America. You think about the companies, Facebook or IBM or, or McCormick Spice or whoever, they do an awful lot to not let information get out, to, to keep secrets uh, of how they're successful. When you think the PJ of America, we have education classes. We have meetings where we network. We have online best practice resource center. Uh, we will do everything in the world to make sure that each one of us is successful. The one thing I will say to anybody who thinks about volunteering, uh, there's no better way to get knowledge. There's no better way to get better ideas. There's no way to, better way to, to share information. Uh, all my years of being involved, it's like some of the things that we were doing at the PGA of America, I could bring those right back to Hillendale and share those and implement them rather quickly. Um, the one thing I will say early on that I learned is uh, Bill Clark that I met him for. He would come back uh, and I'd say what's going on, and he would tell me a few things. And a week later, he'd say, let's do this, this, and this. And I thought the man was a genius. What he would do is he would really wait to think three things and then pop stuff up like it was uh, his idea. <laughs> so a lot of times when you come back from the meeting, just don't quite implement everything so fast. Wait a couple of days, and then people think that you're brilliant. The, the famous Steve Jobs quote, uh, great artist steal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the um, now, Alan, I I know uh, I appreciate your time today. I know you're snow maybe still snowed in up there, but um, I appreciate the time on the show, and I appreciate all the this information you had to, to share there, especially with bringing everyone up to date with kind of 2.0 and what you're doing with Twitter and uh, and the Folds of Honor Association. So I really appreciate that. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's always fun to talk about the game of golf uh, for our professionals. Certainly, PJ Links. Uh, provides a lot of information for the amateurs that could be listening in. Uh, PlayGolfAmerica.com has so many of the great initiatives we have going, whether it be uh, the Get Golf Ready, the Junior League, or anything else that they need to find. Perfect. And Thanks for all you're doing to promote the PGA of America and the PGA professionals. It just trying to keep our association uh, you know, going strong. I know Eric and I are both going on 10 years, so it feels feels like yesterday, Ooh, but I know. It's been that long? Yeah, it's, I know. Wow. Getting up there. Mm-hmm. Hitting, hitting, just hit the thirty mark. <laughs> y'all are, y'all are, y'all are puppies. <laughs> and we had a great association for that too. When you get to be a twenty-year member and a fifty-year member, you get a nice letter and a pen and a certificate. We even appreciate you getting old. <laughs> That's great. The uh, well, Ellen, again, thank you very much for for coming on. And um, Eric, you want to tell people where we can find you? And I'm going to post all those. A lot of the links that, that Alan mentioned, I'm just going to post those online, so you can go on there and just click on those if you want. Um, but, but Eric, you want to tell people where to yeah. find us? Yeah, you are going to post those on uh, thebiggolfshow.com, our website. Uh, you can get us up on uh, Twitter, at The Big Golf Show. Ask us any questions you have for any of our upcoming interviewees uh, or anybody you want to see interviewed. And as well, you can go on to the podcast app on your iPhone or iOS device, or just go to iTunes and search podcasts for The Big Golf Show. That's where to find us. Perfect. Appreciate everyone tuning in.